Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to episode number 19 of the Galaxy CD's Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and as always, I am coming to you from the Bat Cave, armed with my coffee today from many late nights this week, uh, staying up watching the non-results <laughs> of the ongoing election. Man, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard this, this is a key race alert. I could stop reselling. <laughs> uh, I don't know what channel you watch. Um, my channel of choice has been CNN and man, uh, mad props to all the folks there. And of course, all the people that are actually counting the votes and doing the important work of the election. Uh, but the fact that Wolf Blitzer can, with a straight face, say this is a key race alert. 10,000 times a day <laughs> when there's really no news is absolutely remarkable to me. So props to him. But the topic of the episode, and we'll get into some other stuff. I've got some um, viewer slash listener questions and comments to go over this week. We've got some a really quick reselling news recap. There's not a whole bunch going on this week and the business recap. But what got me into kind of wanting to talk a little bit about the election is the apparent impact it's had on at least my business since Tuesday. So we'll talk about the details of it when we get to the actual business recap. But essentially what has happened is Sunday and Monday were fantastic. And from Tuesday morning through the end of the week, my business has absolutely cratered. So I would be curious what, if any impact, you feel like the uncertainty of the election has had on your business. If you're watching on YouTube, you can let me know in the comments down below. If you are listening to the podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash galaxy CDs rocks and you can leave me a voice message, which maybe I'll play on a future episode. Or you can send me an email at galaxycds at gmail.com and let me know has the kind of the uncertainty and the ongoing election drama impacted your business? Have you seen anything in your results over the last week that you think you could tie to that? Now, again, it could be anything, but my, my personal experience with business, be it my own or working for someone else, the business world at large, is that anytime there is tremendous uncertainty, you, you see a negative impact on your business. And I think this has probably been no exception. I think the uncertainty of this result, even though here as we get into the weekend, it looks like uh, probably there's a good possibility by the time you listen to this podcast, uh, there will be certainty. As of the time of recording, it's still up in the air, although everything seems to be leaning towards um, Joe Biden actually winning the presidency. But as I record this, it's still nobody's called it. There are handful of states that are still out. And I think it's impacted our businesses. So people are glued to the TV, listening to Wolf or whoever, talk just on and on and on about where things are in the election and they're not shopping. And clearly this is purely anecdotal. And that's why I would like your feedback and your input. What kind of results are you seeing over the last week? But I've talked to several people in other businesses and they say it is essentially there's no there's no action there's no phone calls there's nobody coming into their stores um i did a dealer trade drive 
on Friday. I talked to the guys at the dealership. They said this week has just been terrible. There's nobody coming in to look at cars. So people are kind of sitting on their hands. One, they're watching this. And two, anytime there's kind of that uncertainty about who is going to be leading the country or what potential you know, shenanigans you could see between now and the time there is a transition of power, if that's how it ends up going, people tend to sit on things. They tend to hold on to their money a little bit and they're not shopping. And I think that's affected even people like us who are selling, you know, 10 to $50 items, not just people that are selling cars and trucks and homes and whatever else. So let me know, like I said, what, what effect this has had on your business, if any, and what you think about all of that. Uh, I would appreciate your feedback so I can just kind of wrap my head around further what kind of effect this has had. So with that, let's dive in. I probably need to shorten that intro. (laughs) We're going to talk about some uh, viewer slash listener questions and comments. I got a comment. uh, I had a lot of comments actually on last week's episode about our eBay auctions dead. Sir flips a lot. Uh, I had a really nice chat with him actually on Instagram, uh, but he commented, I've done, got just got done with two auctions. They were the first I've done in a year. One went perfectly. The other didn't get any bids, but I don't think I'll be doing too many of them. Uh, and that was, that's kind of the consensus of the people I did talk to is that if you're, if you're not doing something that really kind of fits into the criteria we talked about in the last podcast. Uh, auctions are, are pretty, pretty dicey these days. On that same topic, uh, P. Diddy T. Tube said, I try to have about 50 auctions at all time. It may or may not be true, but I always thought it helped to drive a bit more people to the store. So that was interesting because I had, and I commented to him on the YouTube uh, comments, I had never heard anything like that. So let me know again, leave me a comment down below or reach out in one of the other two ways I gave you. Do you try to keep some auctions going all the time just to generate activity? Have you heard anything like that? Is there any evidence that you could point us to that would say, hey, you know, having auctions in your store helps drive traffic to your store? I found that really, really fascinating. Like I said in the podcast last week, in most weeks, I probably have one or two auctions going, but 50 is a big, big number. Um, He did not say, uh, sir, you can reach out to us again and let me know uh, what kind of results are you getting of those 50? Are you selling a good percentage of the items? Are the prices of them, are, are they going for more than the starting bid? Just what kind of results are you having with those 50 auctions? And do you see if you back it off for a week and do none or 25, do you see a difference in your overall traffic to your store. So I thought that was a really fascinating comment. Uh, thank you, P. Diddy, T2, for the comment. Uh, Shop Eric Gifts. I don't do auctions. I price high, accept offers, and run sales. If it does not sell, I relist, maybe put up a new pick. If it still does not sell, I create lots of similar items and sell for a low price. So there's a lot of folks that do that. Older inventory, and I've talked about this in some of my videos and podcasts. I run sales every month on my older aged inventory at some point. Maybe you just need to cut bait. You've got all that old dead stock sitting around. Bundle it up. Do a a box of books or a box of CDs and just try to blow them out. I personally lean more towards the long tail. I talked about this with someone else this week. I have the kind of whatever that mid-tier store is, premium, I think. 
and I get 50,000 free listings in specific categories, most of which are media. So I've got 50,000 listings that I can do in books, CDs, DVDs that don't cost me a listing fee. So it's essentially free for me to have all that stuff listed and just sitting there. The only thing it ties up really is space in my storage. So I don't mind to have them sit there. And, you know, if a year from now somebody stumbles on it and says, yeah, gosh, I really been looking for that album or whatever it is and buys it. Great. It hasn't cost me anything to get to that point. So that's kind of what I do. Uh, Francisco Martin Del Campo comments, uh, tried auctions when I first opened my store, no bites, no nibbles, but I did not have any experience. So I will be on the lookout for the right profile of an item and try again. So that's essentially kind of where you need to be. I I think again, not trying to tell anybody how to run your business, but I feel like it takes a really specific item that either is in super high demand or super low quantity to make an auction work successfully. So that was kind of the the gist of the comments on the auction thing. Uh, Shop Eric Gifts also asked, do you have a specific description template that you use for books? And I don't. I, I probably should. Maybe it would make it a little easier, but every book is a little bit different. There are some key things that I try to highlight either in the title the description or both, and certainly within the item specifics. So uh, some of the obvious ones, obviously author, title, I usually try to get the publisher in there somewhere, unless it's a lot of books, then in a lot of cases, I won't go to that level of depth. The year the item, the book was published, um, any special features or descriptions or damage to the book. So if it's signed, if it's underlined, does it have its dust jacket or not? Are there any stains, markings, those sorts of things? Anything that would give the potential customer more information, theoretically, than the similar listings have that would make mine a little more attractive. So again, even if it's bad news, If the other listings don't have any information and you're running blind, which item are you going to buy? The one that you know exactly what you're getting. Okay, this says there are highlights and underlining on the first 25 pages. I can live with that. This one, I have no idea because there's nothing in the description. So that's kind of what I do. I don't have a template for that, uh, but that may not be a bad idea. I also did a video midweek, just a really quick tutorial about how to switch your payment method for shipping from PayPal to manage payments. Got a couple of comments on that, that that was useful information that uh, people were not aware of that. So you're welcome. (laughs) With that, we're going to take a very quick sponsor break and then we will be right back. That was easy for me to say. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to do me a solid, please leave me a review. That would be awesome. If you're listening anywhere else, there's a link in the show notes to my Podchaser page where you can also go and leave a review. Be sure to check me out on YouTube at Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips and follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Thanks again. News updates. 
caught me drinking my coffee again. I didn't time that very well. <laughs> uh, so let's get into the news. There's not a lot this week, um, and most of it really is market-related, like stock market, not business market. Uh, and a lot of it is about Etsy. Etsy had another huge quarter, and that even counts if you exclude face masks, which is an interesting phenomenon that they're actually backing that out of their sales reports so investors can see here's gross merchandise sales with and without face masks because face masks clearly in the short run are going to be good business but over the long term are assuming we come up with a vaccine for COVID-19 face masks are not going to be a long-term business proposition there will always be a need for some face masks but it's not going to be you know millions slash billions of dollars worth so they're they're backing that out but they had a great great result last quarter their gross merchandise sales excluding the face masks grew 93 percent new and reactivated buyers grew 112 percent year over year for the last quarter uh, that's an impressive half of all of their 138 million buyers have made at least one purchase in the last year. So that's a phenomenal result that they're getting that much activity from their existing base. Uh, this writer says Etsy will remain a great growth stock, but investors should be aware that it may run into difficult year over year growth comparisons in 2021. Obviously when you have just astronomical growth, that's hard to match repeatedly year after year after year. So uh, it's going to be a challenge to beat back-to-back -back quarters of triple-digit revenue growth. Uh, Etsy CEO jo Josh Silverman said 2021 is, quote, hard to predict as it's unknown how long this pandemic-driven demand will last. We may have hit a permanent plateau of online shopping, but if Etsy's gross merchandise sales growth moderates back to pre-COVID-19 levels, that may weigh on the stock's performance in the short run. There was another article that talked about whether or not Etsy and Wayfair in particular would be able to continue their performance once the pandemic buying spree subsided. They were both struggling mightily as we headed into the end of first quarter and then the pandemic hit, their sales jumped hugely for both second and third quarter. So their stock has rocketed up. It's outperformed other online retailers and kind of web-based companies in general. Whether that continues or not is obviously an open question. To that point, one thing that always gets my attention is when the higher-ups at a company sell a bunch of stock. And last week, Etsy president and CEO Josh Silverman sold $13.1 million worth of shares. Uh, he sold 102,180 shares of Etsy on November 3rd at an average price of $128.31 a share. The total sale was $13.1 million. Uh, the chief accounting officer sold 1,649 shares in early October at an average price of 133.13 and the chief marketing officer Ryan Scott sold 6988 shares also in early October at $131.79 the price of the stock has decreased since those trades were made that kind of stuff gets your attention so if the guys that are running the company that are in the know 
about what the business looks like and where they think the business is going are cashing out at high stock valuations. That makes me a little nervous. So there's your stock tip for the week about Etsy. Uh, Really interesting where that's going. We'll see what happens as things change as we move through fourth quarter and into early next year. I would expect fourth quarter for Etsy will be fantastic. If you haven't seen, they're running a bunch of really kind of pulling on the heartstrings commercials for fourth quarter that I think will be very, very, very good for their business. So um, I think they'll have a really good fourth quarter. We'll see once we get beyond that. Uh, Another investment tip, I guess, there's an article, and I'll link to all of these in the show notes on the video description below, regards eBay's embracing of certified refurbished electronics. We talked about this, I don't know if it was a week ago or two weeks ago, uh, that they had launched a new certified refurbished program. We kind of talked about the details in that episode. The company is working with brands such as Dirt Devil, Cuisinart, iRobot, Philips, and Acer to facilitate the sale of like-new items to eBay shoppers. Prices for these goods, which come packed in their original boxes with all required accessories, are expected to be discounted up to 50% off their typical in-store price. Up for grabs is a piece of the global refurbished electronics market that may be worth as much as $10 billion per year, according to Inventory Liquidation Specialist Liquidity Services. Uh, That is a big number. Uh, We talked about there are some specific requirements to participate in that program. You have to be either the manufacturer or an authorized reseller of that manufacturer's wares, and you'd have to prove that. So if you want to participate in that program, there are some hurdles for you. Um, But it's really a, a... potentially a big boon for eBay, maybe not so much for us as individual resellers. This this article says it plays into eBay's unique strengths. Quote, yes, Amazon and eBay both already offer refurbished items. What's changing here is the level of credibility eBay will bring to the premise. The site will facilitate the offer of a two-year warranty to support the sale of these items, but perhaps more important than that, it will more readily connect sellers with individual buyers. The move plays into an eBay strength that Amazon does not have. Amazon's inventory system lends itself to selling new, identical items over and over again, which is one of the reasons resellers like to do replenishables on Amazon. There's little room in the Amazon apparatus, however, to deal with unboxed or damaged items returned by its customers. There's no easier effective way for Amazon to relist one returned item from its own returned inventory as refurbished. So rather than fixing what can be fixed and returning defective items to the manufacturers, the e-commerce giant sells these items by the pallet for a fraction of their previous retail value. Its sheer size and high level of automation ultimately work against it in this regard. This is where all your pallet resellers buy all that Amazon return stuff for pennies on the dollar and then are able to resell it individually because they're doing that work that Amazon essentially, because of their scale, is just unable to do. The article goes on to say, this is in contrast with eBay's approach where each seller can, and generally does, photograph, describe, and list one particular item at a time to best explain its condition. The seller can sell one unique item at a time, but can also list a bunch of identical refurbished items just as easily. So this, again, this is an area where eBay, because of the way it's set up, should have an advantage 
in selling refurbished goods. So this will be really interesting to watch how how this plays out. There's a lot of discrepancies about what that market might actually be worth. Um, some places think it's only a few hundred million dollars. Others think it's worth uh, billions. So we'll see. But that that is something eBay is constantly trying to find ways to now differentiate itself from Amazon. Where there for a while under the previous regime, they were trying to make themselves out to kind of be Amazon. It seems like the new folks in charge are really making an effort to set themselves apart, to capitalize on the strengths that eBay has that are weaknesses for Amazon. And I think that's a fantastic strategy. And I think it works to the advantage of us as individual resellers. So now that we talked great about eBay, uh, (laughs) let's talk about some of the bad. So the ongoing saga of the issue of the harassment continued in the news this week. Uh, Former eBay executives, James Baugh, David Harville indicted on charges of stalking, trying to place GPS unit on Natick Couples' car. So we've talked about this several times in the past. More indictments came down this week. Uh, the, the two former eBay executives were indicted on Tuesday by a federal grand jury in Boston in connection with their alleged roles in a cyberstalking campaign. James Baugh, the eBay former senior director of safety and security, and David Harville, eBay's former director of global resiliency were indicted on charges of conspiracy to commit stalking through interstate travel and through facilities of interstate commerce, commerce, witness tampering and destruction, alteration and falsification of records in a federal investigation, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office. Um, not, not good. Uh, obviously, eBay, both of these people are former eBay employees. So eBay's already cut bait with these guys. They're gone. They're out of there. So good on them for recognizing that they had a a cancer in their midst and excising it. But uh, co-conspirators and former eBay employees, Philip Cook, Brian Gilbert, Stephanie Pop, Veronica Zay, and Stephanie Stockwell all had previously pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit cyber stalking and conspiracy to tamper with witnesses. These two, however, did not and now have been indicted. Baugh of San Jose, California, is alleged to have convened meetings to plan and coordinate the various parts of the harassment campaign, authorities said. He directed Harville of New York City to travel with him to Boston for a quote-unquote op targeting the victims and their website. He also told Stockwell to, quote, make up allegations that the victims had made direct threats to eBay, the company's CEO, and its employees as an excuse if the surveillance team was stopped, authorities said. Ball also posed as Zay's husband when an attic police investigate... That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> uh when the Natick police investigated eBay's connection to the harassment campaign. Harville, authorities say, flew from California to Boston, intending to place the victims under surveillance. He purchased tools to break into the victim's garage and attempted to install a GPS tracking device on the victim's cars. Authorities said Harville also lied to an eBay investigator who was responding to the Natick police's request for assistance and deleted evidence from his company-issued cell phone after learning of the criminal investigation. Uh, Messy. Very, very messy. Uh, The charges against the two men carry sentences ranging from 
up to five years in prison to up to 20 years in prison and fines up to $250,000. So this will be fascinating to watch to see if these guys try to cut a deal like the other co-conspirators did. Um, but this is just the gift that keeps on giving, <laughs> unfortunately for eBay. Uh, it just won't go away. And it's back in the news this week. So that will wrap that up. Let's talk about kind of what we led the show with, the business recap. So interesting week. Sunday and Monday were fantastic. And as it worked out, they ended up being about two-thirds of the business I did for the whole week. Because once we got into election day and moving forward, business just fell off a cliff. Um, Friday of this week past was the single worst day I have ever had as an eBay reseller. So I did, I did still make some sales. So I'm still, I've never been shut out, (laughs) Uh, but man, it was, it was rough. It was rough. So for the week, gross sales were $1,087 and 99 cents. So not, not terrible. I still broke a grand, uh, but certainly not in line with how business had been trending through October. Uh, cost of goods sold was a little high this week, relatively speaking, $48.59. I sold at humongous discounts a, a couple of electronics items that I've had in my inventory for a long, long time. And the, the cost of goods sold on those relative to their selling price was not very strong. In one case, I actually lost money, but I just want to get rid of some of this stuff. So the gross profit for the week as a percentage, it was still 95.53%, but if you've been playing along at home the last couple of weeks, it's been 96 and 97. So this was a bit of a drop off $1,039 and 40 cents operating expenses for the week, uh, include the eBay fees, any PayPal fees. If I had any transactions, um, for instance, with Bonanza, which I did have one this week. So first time in almost a month, I sold something on Bonanza. Uh, it was a, a little, I think it was six magazines quilting, crafting, something like that. It's about $15 sale. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, but hey, it's an extra sale. So we'll, we'll definitely take it. Um, and it also includes all the shipping charges for the week. So that was a question that somebody had asked what I include in my operating expenses. So for this week, that's what it was. Totaled three eighty-seven and thirty-seven cents, leaving the net profit for the week at fifty-nine point nine three percent. Kind of heading into the last few days of the week, it was over sixty, and then sold these electronics things where the margins were not as good, and that dropped me below sixty, but still pretty solid. Dollar-wise, six fifty-two oh three, so not not outstanding by any stretch, but. It's better than a kick in the head. So we'll take it. We'll hope that the election is resolved. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this or watching it on YouTube, we have a result. I don't know that it matters one way or the other to our businesses who necessarily gets elected. It's just the certainty that we know going forward there is a resolution. There is an answer. So again, like I said at the beginning, let me know in the comments what you think about all of that. Has it affected your business? What do you think about it going forward? And with that, we're going to close it out for the week. Thank you so much for stopping by. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.